0: Hello and welcome. Well, if you're expecting or have just arrived home with a newborn or are in your newborn phase, congratulations. This is undoubtedly one of the most exciting and incredible experiences in your life. Now, during the newborn phase, the first 12 weeks of your baby's life, it can be overwhelming physically, emotionally, and mentally. So, to help provide a gentle roadmap for the newborn weeks with helpful, practical expert tips, how you you can set up healthy sleep habits, we welcome our special guest and baby sleep expert, Emma O'Callaghan. Now, Emma is a mother of three and has a background as a midwife, and IVF reproductive nurse specialist. These qualifications complement her certification as an infant and child sleep consultant. Now, Emma has over 20 years experience working both um, within a hospital setting and community setting um, and extensive experience in working with infants and children in their formative years. Thanks for joining us, Emma. How are you doing?
1: Oh, really good. Thanks, Rach. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, and welcome back. Now, um, as a busy mother of three, uh, you've experienced the newborn phase a few times firsthand, of course, uh, which brings both practical and professional knowledge uh, to help newborn parents to find uh, a solution and a unique solution to their needs and their baby's needs. Now, I understand today you're going to be sharing with us all the stuff that you wish you had have known when you brought your babies home from the hospital. And uh, and I understand the first 12 weeks um, of, of, of a baby's life for the parents can be challenging for the parents yep. um, and uh, for ex- expecting parents, of course, who've just arrived home with their newborn. Can you just maybe just tell us initially, you know, broadly, what are some of the more common challenges that that parents sort of face during that initial sort of 12-week phase then?
1: Yeah, I think, Rach, you hit the nail on the head. You do um, come home from hospital and really you don't know what you're doing like (laughs) it's just total guesswork like I remember when I um first we first bought our baby home from hospital we walked into the house and you do that drive home in the car with them in the capsule in the back and you drive so slowly because you're so freaked out that you've got the baby in there (laughs) and you're so careful and then we drove her home and we had her in the um, little baby capsule and we walked into the house and we put the capsule up on the kitchen table and we kind of just stared at her (laughs) (laughs) and then we were like well What do we do now? Like, (laughs) what do we do with her now? Do we get her out of the capsule and put her into the bassinet, or do I feed her, or do I? We just didn't know what to do. Like, it was like I mean, we kind of had the feeding plan and everything, and I just remember just not really having a clue. And I just got very (laughs) lucky in the sense that I had a still have an older cousin. She's six years older than me. She's the best. She's a nurse as well. She had two children. She'd done it before me and was really practical. And I rang her and I said, can you just come over and tell me just the basics, you know, just to, just to help me map out the day kind of thing. And she just gave me some really simple, practical advice that helped set me on the road to kind of feeling like I knew a basic plan. Yes. So I I mean, this is more detailed than what I got given then and there's even things that I'm going to talk to you guys about that um, so mums can find out even more about what to do. But it's stuff that I would have loved to have known because you just, you, you don't know. You um, don't know what you don't
0: know, yes.
1: You don't know what you don't know, yeah. So, and and I think um, when people bring home newborns, just to understand that you can do, so, newborns uh, are really varied in their behaviour, you know, they, they are... They need a lot of assistance, all that kind of stuff. That's normal, but it's interesting to know that there are things that you can do in the newborn phase that can help set up some healthy sleep habits. So,
0: Awesome. And the first weeks of life um, in the outside outside world is very different no doubt to inside the womb where of course inside the womb it's consistent with temperature noise um lighting and everything else as well so of course once they're sort of outside the womb it's just it's it's completely different so how can parents help adjust i guess their newborn to the outside world just initially as well
1: yeah i mean that's a great question there's a lot of schools of thought around that the first um, the first twelve weeks of life it, we a lot of people actually call that the fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. So this idea that babies are actually born a little bit too early in some ways, um, and it's it's research shows that um, our pelvises this is going quite technical but our pelvises have gotten smaller and there's a reason why we have to give birth um, a bit earlier now. But back millions you know many many thousands of years ago babies were probably in utero for longer so with that in mind we like to kind of create this idea of the fourth trimester in the newborn stage particularly in that first kind of month six weeks and that means lots of cuddling close lots of holding um really good (laughs) firm swaddles because that keeps them really contained like they were in the womb um using good white noise because uh, in the womb it was really noisy. Um, just just providing this experience like it's the fourth trimester as if they were sort of still inside you almost. Yeah. But they're not. I think that's, that's a really interesting um, sort of idea and I can see a lot of truth in that, that babies really benefit from that.
0: As well, now I just wanted to acknowledge we published your article and the title is "Newborn and the Sleep Roadmap." Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, just what inspired you to write it?
1: Uh, yeah, Rach, it's it's basically about a really simple roadmap for the newborn stage. Mm-hmm. So I wrote it for parents who are maybe um, any. Mum that's pregnant, or thinking about, you know, life beyond labor um, because you're so focused on that when you're pregnant. But there is a whole life beyond labor and getting to know your baby for mums that are just bringing babies home and families, and also for, um, you know, any parents of newborns, really. So I tried to break it up into really simple steps like just Mm -hmm. weeks 1 to 3, weeks 4 to 6 and then weeks 7 to 12 because I consider sort of 0 to 12 to be the newborn weeks. Mm -hmm. And just to, you know, do just what to expect in those stages, what is realistic for a newborn. Yeah. Um, And... And just things that you can do to create healthy, healthy sleep habits so that you won't really have problems to undo down the track. That was the idea of why I wrote it and to make it really simple for parents to understand and then implement.
0: Awesome. And we have a link in the show notes to the article. And of course the article is featured in our newborn guide as well. So, And I think it's beautifully written. And as you said, it, it's, it, it's heartfelt in the sense that this is like a, a, a note in a letter to all, to all parents to give them the information and the support that you, you know, didn't necessarily have initially when you sort of brought your first newborn home. So I think it's absolutely, absolutely written as well. Now starting with weeks one to three, what do parents need to be aware of because understandably in these early weeks it's really about getting to know your baby and establishing your feeding uh the baby's feeding preferences and and you know so as Ah. a parent your your feeding preferences and sleep cycles so can you just maybe just talk us through that initially
1: i think um when yeah when you first bring your bub home it That's just a divine time to be getting to know your baby. Take all the pressure off of thinking about I've got to get them into some sleep routine or anything like that. They will be really, really drowsy. Um... They're high on maternal melatonin. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of... The mum made a lot of melatonin and mm-hmm. that across the placenta in utero and that melatonin is still in the baby system when they're born. So when they come out, they are super sleepy for often up to around three weeks. And it's the cutest and you just want to give them cuddles all the time. They will have no idea of night and day really. Um, their circadian rhythm isn't even begun to be developed yet. So you'll have lots of... I get Lots of questions in that really early stage of why is my baby awake all night but um, so sleepy in the day, and it's just because they're not, uh, or they're not necessarily awake all night in that new- newborn phase in that one to three weeks, but they're certainly waking up more overnight than often in the day, and that is just because there's no circadian rhythm developed yet. But enjoy the newborn cuddles. I always say at that stage, you don't have to worry about them getting used to the bassinet particularly. Like you can put them down a little bit, but um, that's all really normal. The biggest focus is getting to know your baby and establishing breastfeeding or if you're choosing to bottle feed or you want to bottle feed, getting the feeding happening um, Mm -hmm. and feeling a sense of confidence around that. So that takes time, you know, particularly breastfeeding (coughs) is a a bit of an art and a science there's no doubt about it and I think that would be my biggest focus just to make sure a mum feels really confident with the feeding and if you're not feeling great about it that would be the time to talk to your maternal child health nurse and get some professional help yeah you know that's what you want to do. That's the biggest focus at that stage.
0: So maternal melatonin is a sleepy hormone I'm hearing. correct. Um, and the sleepy, the really sleepy state lasts. you said for about three weeks, is that right? Yes.
1: Okay. Most commonly. Yeah.
0: So at what yeah. point then do babies develop their circadian rhythm then?
1: So that, that kind of brings us um, more right into a, a little bit later on. Um, they, they, they they develop their circadian rhythm around eight to nine weeks.
0: Oh, wow, that late.
1: Yeah. So there's, oh, we're sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but it does take a while for them to develop their circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing sort of leading up into the um, four to six-week stage is by that stage, maternal melatonin is now running out, yet babies haven't started to make their own... um, hormones to stabilize their body clock and all this sort of stuff so often around four to seven weeks is the most unsettled period for a newborn Mm. and it's a lot to do with the fact that they just don't have any of their own melatonin to make them tired and you can get that real this is probably the most common time that babies get diagnosed with colic or reflux or parents assume because there's a lot. of crying peaks at six weeks, basically. So there's yes. a lot of crying. Um, there's a lot of, you know, you, you can't seem to work out. You can't calm them. They're really fussy, and it's just often, you know, if everything else is going okay and feeding's going okay, the biggest thing that I'll say is just just hang on in there. It, it's just time, and if you can another two weeks, and then the hormones will start to kick in, and you'll start to see some proper sleep happening again. Mm-hmm. So, um, so
0: how can we help babies distinguish between day and night uh, to keep them? Um, I guess sort of and, and like create their, their, yeah their sleeping patterns. Yeah, as support well.
1: the development of the circadian rhythm. That's what I always it's in in the very early days, in one to three weeks, you can sleep them anywhere. You can sleep them out in the lounge room, you know, in their bassinet, all that sort of stuff. But from um, about definitely four weeks, it's a really good idea to start. Sleeping your baby in the dark. So, reason that is is, and this is a really cool thing. And I always tell my parents this: um, when babies are out in the light, it's the same for us as well. But when we're out in the light, in the kitchen, family room, outside, all that natural sunlight going into our eyes builds up serotonin in our brains.
0: Mm. Okay,
1: it's really you know vital um, hormone for us and our well-being. When we go into the dark or take our babies into the dark. Um, that serotonin is all converted into melatonin, the sleepy hormone, and it needs a dark, dark environment for that to happen. So that's a a benefit of it. Now, at the start, they're not going to have enough, mel- much melatonin to convert, but we can certainly help them, you know, with that process. So it, a lot of people, I guess, a, a little mistake that they do is they'll have them napping in the day, the whole time, out in the light, and from that, about four is weeks so- is the time... That
0: so it's a weeks one to three, you should keep them out in the light during the day, but only during weeks yep. one to three. Is that right? Only during
1: weeks one to okay. three. Okay, yeah. cool. And then from weeks four on, you want to start napping them in the dark to support the development of their circadian rhythm, but also to have that other benefit of melatonin starting to rise in their brains when you're taking them into the dark. So that's probably one of my biggest tips overall with newborns is... Mm. Um, napping and sleeping in the dark uh get creative in their room um, or if they're in your room like Mm -hmm. really sort of if you just got a block out blind that's cool but often a lot of light comes in the side and a lot comes over the top Mm -hmm. of the thing and it is worth just buying you know just a set of curtains or You know, something to block it out because the darker it is, the latest research really does tell us that they sleep a lot more restoratively um, and it's easier for them to fall asleep. And that's a great habit to set up really early on. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, the, so
0: the contrast yeah. between natural daylight during daytime hours and then the darkness overnight will assist the babies to learn the difference between day and night. And this is from weeks four, did you say onwards? Yes. Okay. Weeks
1: four onwards. Yeah. Okay. So, and and it's important too. So, Rachel, conversely, like in their awake time, this is from weeks four onwards when they're awake give them a little bit of natural light going into their eyes. So it's often really good in their awake time, pop them over your shoulder, wrap a blanket around them, walk around the garden, you know, um, walk out on the street, couple of houses that way, couple of houses that way, let let the sunlight into their eyes. This will all help set their body clock and develop their circadian rhythm. But when it's time to nap, it's in the dark. Okay.
0: So with that then, how long should parents keep their babies awake for then?
1: In in the very early stages, like weeks one to three, not long, L- like an hour, probably tops. So, so Forty to sixty
0: minutes, no longer. Yeah,
1: it's it's really not long, and I've probably over forty seems like nothing. But honestly, I've I have met some babies that can only tolerate very short times of being awake, um, especially babies that are born a little bit earlier, uh, maybe lower birth weight, etc. They they. They uh, are very overstimulated. Is this
0: including the feeding time?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. So you can imagine, Rach, like if you're thinking an awake time of an hour, your baby wakes up for a nap, you feed them, that sometimes in the early days can take 40 minutes, you know, when you're learning and the baby's trying to, um, you know, getting feeding happening Mm -hmm. and then you've got 20 minutes and you've got to think, right, it's time to put you back to bed. So. that's a really, a really glad you brought that up because awake times is something that's really important to stick to. And I'll go through, you know, mm. as they're a little bit older, they can go <clears throat> four to six weeks. It's more like an hour and a half awake. But one of the biggest mistakes I think um, people make is, of course, with a newborn, you've got all this, I suppose not so much now in COVID lockdown, but, you know, I used to see families coming over and everyone passing the baby round and Nana cuddling the baby and you know oh, too much months and, and they are just so overstimulated like they they can't they, they're too young for that they can't handle it and they've been kept up an extra half an hour and even that to a newborn is a lot and then they're kind of what happens is their bodies get flooded with cortisol and adrenaline. It's sort of the body's natural way of um, giving them a bit of a second wind. Yes. But this second wind makes it really hard for them to then calm down and go to sleep. And they'll just cry and cry and cry because they're just overstimulated. Mm -hmm. So So, watch in every part of the newborn stage, watch the awake times. Okay,
0: so watch the clock and make sure that they're given um, an opportunity for their nap within sort of that 60 minutes you would say. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So Watching the clock's important. Definitely. So
0: speaking about feeding times then, so moving on to that next, I mean, how often should um, you wake your baby for a feed then?
1: Yeah. Um, about, so this is a really great piece of advice too, Rach. I would say on average, every three hours in the day. Now, go by what your doctor or the midwives have told you specific for your baby. In some cases, that might be a little bit shorter, like two and a half hours, but the most common time would be three hourly. So, what that looks like is when a baby, um, you're bringing a baby home, there will start to emerge a period over 24 hours where the baby sleeps a little bit longer, say so maybe does a five hour stretch. That's quite common. It starts to just the baby will start to sleep, do a big sleep. Now, we want to encourage that five-hour stretch or, say, six-hour stretch to be happening overnight, not in the day. Yes. And one of the ways we can do that um, is by feeding them three hourly in the day. And you've probably heard that. You would have definitely heard that saying never wake a sleeping baby. That is actually a myth. That's an old-fashioned myth. Um, It is actually sometimes important to wake a sleeping baby in the day. So I'll often say to parents, and this is for all stages of the newborn, like what it looks like is you might start your day at 7 a.m., with a feed. And then you sort of, it is a lot of clock watching. Like you're thinking, okay, I've fed at seven. My next feed mentally, mental note will be 10 AM and then 1 PM, 4 Mm PM and so on. You're just counting out every three hours. And this is a good way to map out your day. So they'll have the feed. You're watching their awake time. They'll be back in bed an hour later. And then um, you, if it's 10 o'clock, get them up again and offer that feed again. So that sort of A, it keeps the calories going into them. It keeps the nutrition happening at at the age-appropriate rate, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it also encourages that biggest... And then overnight, you don't have to wake them three-hourly. You just let them wake up when they wake up. So it's different overnight. You don't Mm -hmm. do the three-hourly. Just let them wake up. And you might get a four- or five-hour stretch overnight then because you've been doing the wake-ups in the day.
0: Okay, so I understand that most newborns feed every two to four hours and they have roughly about eight to 12. feeds in within sort of 24 hours That'd be, so yeah, we right. should wake our baby up every three hours during the day for feeding and um yeah. on average and the yeah. way to encourage the longer stretches of sleep overnight is to is to do this is to be able to have from set, set starting your day around 7 a.m and then every yeah. three hours feeding them and that will 100%. hopefully enable the opportunity for a longer sleep overnight
1: yeah. okay and happen straight away but if you just consistently do that it will start to emerge Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things if you never knew to do it you you just wouldn't know but if you start to do that you'll be like oh wow i got five hours straight sleep last
0: night (laughs) so you shouldn't necessarily wake your baby during the night to feed them so just basically yes so when they wake themselves to feed during the night Correct. So, say we get to seven o'clock and they're still asleep. Should you wake them at seven o'clock to start your day then?
1: Um, I mean, make that a bit flexible, like seven, seven thirty, something like that. But f- yeah, a, a good set start time to the day is helpful in a, mm-hmm. in baby world because um, structure having having a set start time to the day means that you can have a set end time to the day, and it's all to do with the circadian rhythm again. I know that if we wake a baby up at seven in the morning, that 11 hours later, this is kind of a bit of an older newborn, like when the circadian rhythm is developed, but 11 hours later at 6 p.m. at night, their melatonin is really going to be rising and their body's telling them it's time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the benefit of having a set start time to the day. But mm-hmm. Don't, mm-hmm. don't make it too rigid. It's not, you know, in this stage, it's it really is about enjoying your baby and you're going to have some nights where you're so tired, so what, you sleep wake up at eight that morning or you know it's not the biggest deal in the world but it's just good to know generally keep it within an hour's kind of range somewhere yeah and that will help things and
0: any tips for swaddling and just noise in general you you mentioned white noise before but what about swaddling
1: um swaddling is awesome so i highly (laughs) recommend swaddling it's just it's just a really good tool like it's something that becomes such a sleep association for them it's a positive sleep association meaning it doesn't involve you like as soon as you pop them down to swaddle them Mm -hmm. um they will start to know oh this means subconsciously this means that sleep's coming next they know the order of things so that's what i mean it's a positive sleep association But more um, importantly for newborns, it stops the startle reflex, the morrow reflex, which is where their little arms startle and go out like this and wake them up. So if they're on their backs and their arms are waking them up every two seconds, they can't get into a deep sleep. So we want to do a good arms across the chest or an arms down swaddle um, firmly across the arms and then loose around the hips, and start that from. I mean, in the hospital they'll be doing it. Continue that as soon as you get home. Don't don't stop swaddling them. Um, and if you do it consistently, your baby will get really really used to it, and uh, it will help sleep a lot. It gives them that cocoony safe feeling.
0: Awesome. As well. So moving on to weeks four to six now, what developments should we start to see by now? Should we start to see longer awake times um, by that, by this, this phase?
1: Yeah, definitely. Right. So now we're talking rather than the hour, it's moving into sort of an hour and a half. Definitely 60 to 90 minutes. Yeah, and, yep. and and just it's it's every baby's a bit different. Obviously, the four weekers are going to be maybe still on an hour and maybe creeping into an hour and fifteen, and and the six weekers could easily do an hour and a half. Like that, that's fine. But you still want to be conscious of that. Um, still, still be thinking about how am I going with the feeding? Do I need any help? Um, do I have any concerns about the feeding? Now's the time, because from about six weeks. Feeding ideally should be fairly established, meaning if you're breastfeeding, supply and demand have worked. Your body's worked out making just the right of milk, amount of milk for your baby, so uh-huh. supply and demand is worked out. Um, if you're bottle feeding, you're confident that they're getting enough, and as long as they're gaining weight and and what we consider they're thriving, they're gaining weight, hitting hitting those weight milestones, then that's all good. You're doing all doing an amazing job. Um, and like I said, at, crying does peak at six weeks. So okay. that's because they just haven't started making that melatonin yet. Mum's melatonin has run out. Don't panic and think, oh, my God, if they got colic or, you know, it's the worst thing in the world. Just just keep calm. Just keep giving them lots of opportunity to sleep and it will pass. It does okay. get better.
0: So yeah. the best way we can help our babies with their melatonin production is to, to nap our baby in a dark space. Um, yes. from from this point yep. in time from weeks four onwards is yep. that right okay absolutely and absolutely. the developments we should start to see around the six-week period what you said earlier is that crying starts and they start what what other I, I, I won't uh, I won't sort of go into this too much because I want you to explain but what other mm. wonderful things wonderful things start yeah. to happen around this this is where period. you get a
1: little well it's a big present really you get like after the six weeks, they start smiling at you. And it's <laughs> so cute. Like
0: so after so around smiling, the six week period, six weeks and beyond, yeah. is that right?
1: Some babies do it earlier, but six weeks is the average time they say they socially smile at you. But they're looking at you and they're they're reacting to your expression, and you get these divine little smiles, and it's just like oh, it's the best thing in the world. That's so awesome. That six weeks can be a hard time, but you do get the smiles. So
0: so the crying starts, but the smiling starts. Crying and smiling. smiling starts. Yes. So so moving on to weeks uh, seven to 12, what developments should we start to see by weeks seven to 12 now?
1: Yeah. Now I I think it's just thinking about, okay, somewhere along, uh, seven to 12 is a bigger age group, obviously. Um, At the earliest start, seven, it'll be more like an hour and a half awake. Uh, as we're moving on it definitely can be an hour and three quarters even some 12 weekers can stay awake for two hours but yeah seven to 12 weeks the awake time is an hour and a half to an hour and three quarters um and obviously towards 12 weeks that can get a little bit longer so Uh just you're still watching their awake time uh we're still feeding about every three hourly so that hasn't changed um, you will still be getting some longer stretches overnight now. So that's great. That's great, yes. Um, we still want to be swaddling them. We still want to be using, uh, napping them in the dark and we still want to be using white noise. And Rach, I just want to expand on white noise for one sec because it's it's something that I think a lot of parents don't really, you don't learn about this in hospital. You don't get much of an opportunity to understand about it. But it's one of the best tools going around to use and a lot of parents do use it but they don't quite use it correctly
0: okay so so how do you correctly
1: (laughs) yeah why white noise is so good is because when babies were growing up inside the mum they were literally growing in white noise it was blood pumping around our bodies and everything it was very noisy in the womb for them beyond 70 decibels which is louder than a vacuum cleaner so it's actually quite weird for a newborn to come out and just be sleeping in silence that's that's not what they're used to it's not primal so i encourage right from the start get a a good white noise machine um where do you get a white
0: noise machine from uh,
1: i sell them i sell my favorite on my website so that's a good tip but uh, they're when, whatever mums do do just check that can it go really loud because the idea is when if a baby is crying you can turn the white noise up louder than their cries and it really does kind of switch on a calming reflex in them and it's amazing it calms them right down it's like their little brains get tuned into the white noise they can't concentrate on too many things at once and they stop crying like it's it's amazing um And then when they're asleep, you can turn it down, but it's still fairly loud. So they're kind of in this cocoon of sound. And, of course, that just helps them link sleep cycles. Um, It helps block out general household noise. So most of my mums use white noise um, right up into the toddler years. Like it's, it's just a fantastic tool. So that's probably one of the biggest things that I always end up telling about my new mums, invest in a good quality white noise machine. There's a lot that I don't think you have to invest in. That a lot so, of is it like a radio? Is
0: it just like a, a radio device? Type yeah, of thing?
1: it's uh, true. White noise, what it is. It's just all the frequencies of that any noise can make, like the full range of frequencies, all blended in together. So yeah, okay. it sounds like radio static. Um, but you know, some some white noise. Uh, there's apps on on your phone that you can play, but a lot of people you know or put it on an ipad with a speaker in the baby's room a lot of people don't necessarily want that in the baby's room so you can buy little portable white noise machines that you can take with you if you stay at your mum's house with your baby or mm. but it's a great tool it's a it's a really good tool so i'd highly recommend investing in something
0: that's um is playing the, playing the radio the same same thing or different
1: has the same effect it does have the same effect oh not not the actual radio not music it would have to be set on static um so a lot of people when they're using a machine they'll put it on heartbeat or waves or something that's not true white noise we want that proper kind of shh, that constant wow um proper white noise sound that's what has the calming effect on babies' brains so use that all the way through all right um, cool. that doesn't change yeah so
0: so by week 7 to 12 um, the babies um their melatonin i guess is is sort of their own melatonin Devel- is developing yep. and Correct. clear sleep cycles should really now be become established and the average awake time should be um between 90 minutes to about an hour and a half is that right yep
1: Yeah, yeah, 90 minutes plus or minus 15 minutes. So, yeah, some an hour and a half, some an hour and three quarters. That's that's right, right?
0: Okay. And so what are the benefits of supporting your baby's circadian rhythm around week eight then?
1: Um, Just to really because they are starting to make their own sleepy hormones they are starting to make i mean there's a lot more than just melatonin involved in this process there's other hormones at play as well but if we can do that it just means that they will um sleep better at night and be able to nap better if we get their circadian rhythm happening it, it, it will help them sleep at night, which is kind of what every parent wants, yeah. <laughs> um, is the biggest thing. So.
0: And how about weeks nine to 12? Now, why is this a good time to begin settling your baby in your arms, um, uh, like a little less and instead practice settling them in the bassinet or cot?
1: Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time with newborns, we just have them falling asleep on us and then pass them to dad and they fall asleep on dad. And everyone, I mean, everyone loves cuddling a sleeping baby. I get it. But it's just that babies learn what you practice with them the most. And there'll come a time, it's a really physical experience to be lying. they'll be swaddled, but lying flat on their back in the bassinet. That's a very different physical feeling for a baby than falling asleep cuddled. So if you never practice that, when they get to four months, this is going to become a problem. it it will interfere with the ability to fall asleep a bit more independently. Right. So I do think it's really important, even a bit before nine weeks, to be honest. I I would even start it earlier. I know I've written here nine, but at least by nine weeks. Yeah. To have, not you don't have to do every nap, but just a couple of naps a day where you're putting them in the bassinet and you can pat them, but just let them do the falling asleep in the bassinet. So they've got that physical experience of what it feels like. A lot of the time parents put their babies to sleep in the bassinet at night and they're doing okay at night, but they nap them all day on them or in, the, in, a, in a baby carrier or in the pram, or they never give them that experience in the day in their bassinets. So I would just, just have that in the back of your mind. Okay, now's the time to start practicing. Just, just once or twice a day, just pop them down for a nap there and okay. then they'll get so- used to that.
0: So before weeks nine, then it's it's okay to be having the baby sleep outside their bassinet or the or the cot. But from weeks nine, to be able to you want to be really that, starting, to, yeah, establishing that routine. Then, okay, yes. all right. Yeah. Uh, what about weeks sort of twelve? Then why is this a good time to think about establishing uh, a gentle and like flexible routine? Then
1: mm. I think that's about the age they're they're now considered an older newborn rage. Right? They're they kind of come through the newborn stage and um, their bodies naturally um, rather than going from this sort of cyclic um, three hourly in the day, this feeding every three hours. And that's how your day is kind of rolling out. What happens is the body um, look it's some, I would say it's sort of 12 to 14 weeks somewhere this happens. The body now naturally wants to nap more like three times a day. Clear nap spots in the day will be starting to emerge And that's a, that's a, so grab a nice little 12 week routine and start to gently head towards that because that's what their, their bodies are naturally going to be, want to be doing anyway. And same, same thing lots of putting them down in their bassinet. And, you know, if you're padding them a bit, maybe back off the padding a little bit, just do a little bit less, um, handing over a bit more of the independence to them. And then that's the perfect time for them to learn it and get it. And you'll have a nice little independent sleeper on your hands if you do lots of practice with it around then because they are – completely capable of doing it they've got everything in them to be able to do it they just need you to sort of back off a little bit
0: okay so, so, so to maintain that newborn phase the sleeping pattern of every three three hours from starting around your day starting around 7 a.m um mm-hmm. but once you sort of get through the newborn phase up to sort of to, to week 12 and sort of beyond to be able to establish a new 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 pattern is is that what you're saying yeah
1: it's a slightly new pattern. It's it's just probably <coughs> the biggest thing I would I would expect mums to do is be really getting them to fall their babies to fall asleep independently. A lot less napping on them. Now's the time to really. It's getting a bit serious with naps now. They they do need to have these um, restorative naps in their dark room with the white noise on in their own space. That's important. They'll get deeper sleep. So we want to be really handing over that to them a little bit more at definitely by 12 weeks
0: well this has been a wonderful chat and and as we said at the start it as it was meant to be a gentle roadmap for these first 12 yeah. weeks and you've definitely done that if you were to summarize I guess your key messages for anyone watching and listening what would they be
1: I think Rach just to say it's completely normal to bring a baby home and not have any idea what you're doing um You're not alone, but help is out there if you want someone to just sort of hold your hand through the newborn stage. I do, you know, do lots of packages where I am just gently talking to parents along the way, and that's a a great thing. Um, A lot of parents just love that. You can't, there's not a lot to do, but there's certainly in each age bracket some simple little things that you can do that will encourage really healthy newborn sleep so that at four and five months you don't have a major sleep issue on your hands. and it, it's just simple things that you can implement now. But if you need help, help is out there. Definitely.
0: Awesome. And and if anyone's got any questions for you, and and or want to reach out to you after this chat today, whereabouts can they find you?
1: Yeah, Rach, my contact form's on my website. So I'm at um, www.babysleepexpert.com.au and you can just fill in the contact form there. Ask me any questions. I do loads of free 15-minute sleep consultations if you just want to ask something um, or you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and on IG, it's babysleep.expert. Awesome. And yeah, just follow me. Lots of sleep tips there. I'm happy to help anyone.
0: Thank you so much for all of your wisdom and all of the information that you've shared with the audience today. We'll have all of your links for everyone to, to find you after this chat. Um, but thank you again and uh, can't Thanks wait Rach. to catch up with you again in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> but in the meantime, stay safe. Take care.
1: Thanks for having me. Bye. Uh,
0: take care. Bye. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia the podcast you can have full access to Kidipedia by visiting our website at kidipedia.com.au, or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.